Our scripture passage for the sermon comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4 and then 22 through 31. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. In this section, the character Woman Wisdom is speaking. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight. Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Amen. There's nothing that incites deep and serious study of a subject than knowing that you're going to have to teach that subject to other people. That's what Eric and I found out a number of years ago when we signed a contract to write a book-length Bible study on the book of Proverbs. It was the book-length part that got me really nervous. So for six months, Eric and I delved into the book of Proverbs. We researched it, we prayed over it, we started quoting it to each other, and we generally started seeing evidence of the book of Proverbs everywhere we looked. In fact, we might have even taken it a little bit overboard because the college Sunday school class that we were teaching at the time started teasing us, saying, no matter what we're studying, whether it's Ruth or Revelation, it all comes back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is famous for its pithy bits of wisdom, those wise sayings gleaned from ancient Israel that guided the people of God through the centuries. In this book, we find beautiful, poetic pearls of wisdom like this. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And the more familiar, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But in this book, we also find some very practical wisdom like, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes are the lazy to their employers. Or, one of my personal favorites, if you found honey, eat only enough for you, or else, having too much, you're going to throw it up. (laughs) And then, in this book, we also find some pretty plain spoken truth. 
Like a gold ring in a pig snout is a beautiful person without good sense. These practical pearls of wisdom come from Israel's centuries of living together as the people of God. They were collected together in the form that you and I have in our Bibles today during and after Israel's exile to Babylon. And this happened around 587 BC when Israel had one of its worst times ever. The huge war machine of the Babylonian army invaded Israel sacked Jerusalem, and destroyed the temple, the very footstool of God that had formed the identity and the religious center of the people for centuries. The conquering enemy then rounded up the bulk of Israel's best and brightest, their leaders, their teachers, their priests, and they took all of them to Babylon sent them into exile with the understanding that eventually these Israelites would simply meld into the huge metropolis of Babylon, losing their identity, losing their culture, and losing their sense as a unique people in covenant with God. So with no temple, no king, and no leadership to guide them in their exiles, the wise ones of Israel started gathering in these bits of wisdom that had guided the people for centuries. They wanted to have a touchstone to help remind the people that even though they were in exile, they were still God's people, and nothing could change that. I like to think of these sayings as Israel's kitchen table wisdom, the basic morals and truths that come from centuries of having to live together and learn to love each other and love God. Gathered together, these proverbs reminded the people of how to live as God's people no matter what. Now these famous settings, some of which we just heard, these famous proverbs are bookended by two sections. There's chapters 1 through 9 about the nature of wisdom, of God's wisdom woven throughout the world. And then there's a chapter of closure in Proverbs 31, where we get to see God's wisdom lived out. The nine chapters of introduction remind us that these are not just cute and clever bits of greeting card wisdom, but they are the very wisdom with which God created the world. In these Proverbs, we find God's commandment to love each other and to love God hammered out in the reality of day-to-day life. After all, it's one thing to think about loving your neighbor, and it's another thing to love him or her when they've planted their garden on your side of the property line. In this nine-chapter introduction, Proverbs gives us a great gift, the character A woman wisdom. Instead of a vague idea, God's wisdom out there somehow in the world, we get a character who speaks and cajoles and teaches and inspires. She's sort of the best teacher, coach, mentor, parent, leader, all rolled up into one. And woman wisdom is no pushover. She's a street preacher in the best sense of the word. Verse 2 of our passage tells us that woman wisdom stands out in the corners of the street, in the busiest, most prominent places, so she can reach as many people as she can. 
It says, on the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, beside the gates, at the entrance of the portals, she stands and preaches God's word. Just as God reaches out to relationship with us, woman wisdom also reaches out to us, to any who would learn from her. She's never coercive, but she's always cajoling and inviting teaching God's ways and how to live in faithful relationship with God and each other. Woman wisdom knows she can't make us listen to her teaching. She reaches out, and we have the option of whether or not we're going to listen. Will we ignore her? So sure, we have all the answers we need, distracted by the many, many temptations of this world. Will we walk right past her? Or will we heed her cries and slow down enough to pay attention to what she is saying to us? In today's passage, woman wisdom teaches us something so basic to our faith that we often miss it. The delight and the wonder of God's creation. God as creator is so foundational to Judeo-Christian thought that sometimes it seems to me that we grown-ups in the modern church miss the point. We just gloss over it as a given. Yes, God made everything and everything is a gift from God. When we do that... We are forgetting that much of scripture from Genesis to the Psalms to the Sermon on the Mount uplifts creation as a sheer gift of grace. Something we're given but could never earn or do or build for ourselves. Something we don't deserve but are given as sheer gift. Here in Proverbs, woman wisdom reminds us that creation was formed to point us to the creator. Every flower, every fish, every mountain, every sunset, every person we encounter designed to help us deepen our relationship with God. And how does she know this? She was there when it happened, she tells us. She was a witness to creation itself. She says in verses 22 through 23, The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts long ago. Ages ago I was set up before the beginning of the earth. She was the witness to creation as God wove wisdom into the very beginnings of the universe. Before the mountains had been shaped, when he established the heavens and the fountains of the deep, woman wisdom was at God's side. Verse 30 tells us she was right there beside him like a master worker, seeing God assign the sea its limits, seeing God mark out the foundations of the work. She was there, she tells us, when God wove creation into being, his wisdom stamped on every detail. So that when we pay attention and learn from creation, from atoms to the atmosphere, from the farthest star to the lowly ant, when we're paying attention to creation, we are catching a glimpse of God. And how does woman wisdom respond to seeing creation formed right before her very eyes? She delights. 
She rejoices before God always, rejoicing, she says, in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Notice this. She doesn't write a dissertation explaining the timeline of creation and exactly how it happened. She doesn't just distantly observe what God is doing. And she doesn't say, okay, well, that was nice. Now what's next? No, she delights. She rejoices. She takes the time to celebrate what God has done. Now, interestingly, she's told us in Hebrew that she was next to God like a master worker. But the Hebrew here for master worker can also be interpreted little child. And I like this translation. One of the scholars that we read says that this translation, that woman wisdom was next to God like a little child, fits perfectly. Do you remember your own childhood or seeing a child who is simply delighting in the moment? Unselfconscious not worrying about what anybody else thinks, and they're simply living into the moment and celebrating the gift of being. That's the image of what woman wisdom is doing in today's passage. She is delighting in creation. She recognizes that what God has done is a gift. She doesn't have to do the work. She gets to sit back and enjoy what God has done, and what God has given to all of us. All of which invites this question. When was the last time that you and I truly delighted in creation? It seems to me that rejoicing in creation is not something we consider a vital part of our faith or of Christian discipleship. And yet it's woven all throughout the scriptures as our call as followers of God. Now for those of us who are raised with a good Protestant work ethic, delighting in creation sort of sounds like maybe a waste of time, a little decadent, a little indulgent. After all, there's no finished product. When you're done delighting in creation, you don't have anything to show for it, right? We don't usually put down rejoicing in creation as one of our strengths on our resume, even if you're a pastor. And it doesn't usually show up on our spiritual gifts assessment. But it ought to. Too often we just gloss over God's creation. It's something we see every day in our cars, on our commute to work, in our backyards, across the dinner table in the form of our friends or our spouses or our children or our parents. We see it every day in the mirror, and we don't usually delight, do we? Creation is just there. It's just a given which may be precisely the point. According to woman wisdom, creation is a given, a gift given from God to us. We didn't build it. We didn't make it. We can't control it. From the seasons to the tides, creation keeps going, whether we notice it or not, according to the order and the limits set by God. 
Paying attention to creation reminds us that we are creatures, and that is an essential part of our faith. We are blessed and made by a loving God who, as Miss Allison so beautifully pointed out in our children's sermon today, has not been stingy at all with creation. God has given us not just one bird, as she said, and goodness gracious, I'm so glad because the crow would be such a disappointment, wouldn't it? But hundreds and thousands of kinds of birds, each with its own song and its own habits and its own look. And God has given us dozens of landscapes from deserts to the rainforest and thousands of flowers and plants from the purely ornamental rose to the kind that nourish our bodies. God hasn't just given us creation. God has lavished upon us creation. And the wisest response to that lavish gift, according to the book of Proverbs, is childlike delight. Rejoicing before God, always, daily, says woman wisdom. St. Francis of Assisi, a monk who began a religious order in the 1200s in Italy, took woman wisdom at her word. The son of a wealthy silk merchant, Francis enjoyed the finer things in life for most of his young adulthood. He became a soldier, and then he became very sick. And during his illness, Francis experienced a transformative moment where he realized he was made to serve God and not man. After his recovery, he began caring for the sick, praying and preaching, eventually attracting numerous followers who formed a monastic order around him with Francis as their leader. These Franciscans were known for their vow of poverty, but also for their great delight in God's creation. (coughs) And it's no wonder that that was one of their touchstones, because the monastery had its humble beginnings in, quote, a paradise on earth, Long, wooded hills extending miles to the shining curve of the Adriatic Sea. In these deep, warm valleys and sloping meadows, Francis made delighting in God's creation a cornerstone of his ministry. And the Franciscans carry that on today. One of the most famous stories about St. Francis is one day he was on a journey and he noticed the birds all swooping and flying around him. And because of his awareness of God's creation, he stopped right there in the midst of his journey and he started preaching to the birds. Which is why you will often see in gardens a statue of St. Francis cradling a bird in his arms. In his message and in the message of Proverbs, delight in creation reminds us of who and whose we are just as it did for the ancient Israelites who first heard this word. It's right here with us when we walk out these doors, when we look next to us in the pew, we see the wonders of God's creation. We delight and rejoice not just because of these wonders being lovely or tasty, but because they are sheer and utter gift. A gift from the creator to the creatures, you and me the human race in which woman wisdom says she delights. 
delighting in the human race. Now that's something to think of, especially during a political season. Like the ancient Israelites to whom woman wisdom first preached, we get to choose. Are we going to listen to her and pay attention to the bits of God's glory woven throughout creation all around us? Or will we stay caught up in the tyranny of our tasks, distracted constantly, so we forget who and whose we are? Wisdom calls us, come delight, come rejoice, remember whose you are. And I think we all know the wisest response to such an invitation. A grateful amen.